It's just after I see a movie, I like to go get a piece of pie and talk about it. It's sort of a little tradition I have. Do you like to get pie after you see a good movie? Hello everyone, welcome back to A Piece of Pie, the queer film podcast. I'm your host, Brian Rowe, and I am here with my contributor, Max Bever. Thanks again for inviting me, Brian. Welcome back. Uh, we are currently practicing social distancing and we sitting very far apart from each other. About five, uh, five feet apart right yes. now. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, so we're, uh, you know, like I said, recording this in the middle of, of the coronavirus, um, and so of course... We're doing the films Contagion and Safe, the Todd Haynes 1995 movie. And in full disclosure, I didn't necessarily want to do Contagion just because of this. And I knew I didn't want to do Outbreak. (laughs) I was like, that's a hard no. Um, But once... And I think I had sent you a text and I was like, do you have any ideas for what you might want to do? It's one of those things where it was like, this is a movie that I am interested in watching and if you could come up with a good pairing... Mm -hmm. Well, I kind of fought you at first, you know. You I, did, was, you did. Uh, Contagion's a movie that I hadn't revisited in a while, but I remember not really caring for in the theater. And I felt by this time, maybe this week, we'd be so sick of talking about COVID. Yes. But given now that we're in this uh, current reality, uh, it is kind of the perfect time to revisit this. It is. And it was, uh, like I said, I sent that text to you and I sent it to a few other people. And I sent it to Matt, who was on the Oscar episode and he was in the Call Me By Your Name episode. And he suggested safe. And that's when I was like, that's a brilliant idea. It was, yes. Um, And he had intended to join us for this, but um, there was a confirmed case in his office. So he is self-isolating and staying home, which is exactly the right thing to do. Um, He did send me some notes on both of these movies, which we can go over um, as we get there. But... um, I just wanted to throw that out. And, well, I mean, and, more of life feeling like a movie at this point. So. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so we, Max uh, was kind enough to loan me his copy of Safe. We just finished watching it, so we're going to start with Criterion Todd. Spine 79. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to start with we're going to start with Todd Haynes' Safe. Do oh, sure. You know, I, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you had this idea because Safe is. I mean, Todd Haynes is one of my favorite directors, and uh, you know, this is a film that I think gets a good amount of critical attention, but still remains underseen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, I think, a really good pairing with Contagion at this point of films that are you know very cool to the touch and have a very specific kind of finding the horror and mundane and the real life. And ultimately, this movie uh, is something a lot deeper and a lot darker and a lot more you know i think i just said it to you i think this is my fifth time seeing this film it's been a little while since i revisited and i can't still tell you what it's all about yeah it's 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 something that's kind of very deeply um you know just a feeling of unease from the very first moment to the end and it kind of takes this journey between these two halves of of carol you know as her wife uh, as a housewife in california uh, in 1987 and uh, coming into um, finding her environmental illness and reacting to you know all these different situations and then getting us into our second half where we go to Renwood which is our self-help ranch and kind of self-stylized cult yeah like I said it was Matt's idea and uh, once he named it I had never seen the movie I was aware of what it was and I was aware of it as a Todd Haynes film who I am a big fan of as well um and I'm happy to say that uh, look, glancing back through um, 
the episodes that we've done of the Queer Film Podcast, I feel like Todd Haynes is the director. We He's very used. well represented, and I yes. appreciate that. <laughs> um, and I've we've happy... covered Carol, we've covered Far From Heaven, yes, we've covered yes. uh, Velvet Goldmine. I was yes. uh, happy to talk on that one, because yes. that's my favorite Todd Haynes film. Yes, So, and now we're doing this one. So it was, it was the combination of I knew it was Todd Haynes, and I knew it was about this woman who was either sick or was think was thought thought she was getting sick and that was kind of my what I was aware of it I didn't know exactly which one it was about um, and I guess even after having seen it I don't know if I still know if she's sick or not yeah. like it leaves it an open question but what I was saying though was that that was once I heard that pairing I was like not only have we done like Todd Haynes like this is perfect cuz I like the idea of like contagion is obviously very global mm-hmm. and it's a pandemic which is very similar to what we're dealing with now and Safe is very self-contained and it's very in her own head, mm-hmm. and I like the contrast of that too. So, and like you know, the bonus of Todd Haynes being a queer filmmaker, right? Well, and I think kind of its own rip from the headlines type of approach though too is a movie where a lot of you know people tell her that she's fine or that things are in her head when there's you know kind of actually still the invisible menace that's out to get her. We we just ended it, and by the end you. The movie kind of pushes you towards being, you know, that, okay, well, she's a very unhappy person, and there's a lot of reasons for her reactions to the life that she had and a lot of other type of things, Um, but it's completely up in the air. Yeah. Uh, And that the cure, so to speak, especially, you know, the facility in Redwood, you know, is like, is this more helpful? Is this even a better environment? Is this creepier, you know, in its type of way? Well, I mean, and and, uh, the cult leader, I think, played by... uh, I was actually watching this with you. There were so many great character actors that popped out every now and then that I completely forgotten about. Yeah, you've got Beth Grant, you know, as a lecturer there, but you've got uh, Frank from uh, Succession on HBO as our uh, self-styled cult leader. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like... I tend to actually find the second half even a bit more unnerving than the first. Because I just get a rash when I hear self-help talk. Yeah. And even as somebody who, you know, is very, uh, you know, I've gone to therapy for three years and everything else, it's that type of charlatan and take advantage of you and the, yeah. the mixture of, like, the old church type of, like, songs yeah, it's and very, things. Yeah, it's very reminiscent, especially being that it's in Southern California, it's very reminiscent of Scientology, of course. That's why I assume that some of the, you know, must have been an influence a bit, too. Yeah, um... I've we were just talking about I mean as I've mentioned on this podcast I lived in LA uh, for many years and Scientology is a weirdly sort of um, constant presence there like it's still like weirdly accepted or yeah kind of like because there's just centers everywhere and there's people on like Hollywood Boulevard that are like would you like to take a tour of the L. Ron Hubbard building and if you don't know who L. Ron Hubbard is you're like (laughs) sure I'm in Hollywood I'm a you know like I'm on vacation whatever so there was a lot of that, but um, it was interesting, like I said, watching it, because it's, it's all so internal, and she's blaming these external forces, and it's, it's very much a, like a parable for, we were talking about, while it was on, we were talking about like AIDS and HIV. Well, I mean, you've got, obviously, our character, you know, um, I'm blanking on his name, but Frank from Succession, <laughs> you know, uh, kind He's of melding like together, he, yeah, you yeah, know, but, that and, he was diagnosed with AIDS, and yeah. this movie is obviously about a lot. Yeah, you know, that well, it's put into. I mean, because she's just very much this well-off white woman, and and you can watch the movie and be like, "What have you got to be stressed about? Right, your life is perfect." It's kind it's of a dark joke in the beginning exactly, when some of the yeah. other uh, housewives around town think, are just like, "Mommy's really busy," and she's yeah. just standing around, you know, the kitchen I think or handing things off to the I maid. Think throughout the movie, it remains a joke to everybody but her. I think even her. 
and the the last scene where you see them, her husband and son are still very much like, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> I don't think they ever get to a point of acceptance with it. Um, which, you know, you could, and now you can, you know, Todd Haynes is a queer filmmaker, so you could read that as an allegory for homosexuality. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it, uh, I'm glad you pointed out, I mean, this is a queer movie. I mean, it's not one that actually yeah. deals, you know, specifically, you know, with explicit queer type of uh, themes. But, I mean, this is Todd Haynes, you know, doing something very different. You know, he had done two major films before this. So this came at a different time in his career. And both of them were like queer punk films. He had Superstar, the Karen Carpenter story that he acted out that, with Barbie dolls. Did, and then he had Poison, you know, which was, you know, a different type of uh, specific queer tales. Did Superstar ever get any kind of an official release? I don't know. No, think not it did. really. It was actually it was just sort it was of like, known. And it's like especially cult a cult item in California. Yeah. And he was kind of known as like, I mean, he was. He was kind of like a queer punk artist, even in his kind of like dad you know yeah. milk toast uh, kind of like yeah. uh todd haynes way but this is where i feel like it was the start of what became one of his bigger themes and obsessions which was his love of the woman in trouble movies the woman yeah. in distress his love of like douglas sirk and things he would obviously revisit in far from heaven and carol mm-hmm. yeah those just uh overdone melodramas mm-hmm. um this is much more like Igmar Bergman than Douglas Sirk, though. Yeah, we were, you know, I think we were trying to play a little bit of spot the influence, and I felt, you know, like he was watching Twin Peaks and some David Lynch, and yeah. like, I feel like this is where he was influenced by a lot of styles while still creating the quote-unquote Todd Haynes style. So this one's got, it's a little bit more kind of like a grab bag than I, uh, than I originally remembered. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I had said this during uh, uh, the viewing. Um, it feels to me very much like an early Todd Haynes film in the way that Reservoir Dogs feels like an early Tarantino mm-hmm. or the way that Hard Eight feels like early or even I feel like that's a good uh, comparison it's like I was almost getting like early PTA it's just uh, that early it's the, it's it's the early filmmaker exploring his themes it's you know Mean Streets with Scorsese who yeah. would later like you know really nail these things down um, you can see him becoming Todd Haynes the movie t- for me um like Julian Moore I thought was great but I think overall it tonally to me it kind of felt a little uneven because it felt so much at various points like other filmmakers yeah but I also feel like that's kind of built in and I feel a lot of the unease and kind of like switching I mean there's this kind of like general sense of like something is very wrong even in the most mundane of yeah I mean the know, beginning kind of, like, of shopping for groceries yeah. or, or you know aerobics classes uh, type to it but I feel it's kind of built into the movie, um, this uh, kind of, you know, unmoored, I mean, unmoored type of feeling. Yeah. In that way, like, I mean, it's, the movie uh, was came out in 1995, but it's set in 19, 8, 1987, and it is very 80s, and that's kind of a very 80s aesthetic, like a yeah. little bit of everything. Well, I think I had said it was just like, oh, there's parts of this that look like a Michael Mann horror film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and there's parts that look like David Lynch, and there's parts that look like... Igmar Bergman, and there's not really any parts. Thematically, mm-hmm. it looks like Todd Haynes. Right. But there aren't really any part like... Save, Todd save Haynes for, doesn't really have a visual style, though, quite so much, though. Well, I thought it was more of influence, you know, from Velvet Goldmine and, and uh, Far From Heaven, is that he just became a little bit more of using pastiche. Yeah. Uh, a little bit more plainly, rather than, I feel, something that's a little bit more muted. Mm-hmm. Um, even though that this movie is gorgeous, and especially as it goes along and you get all these sickly greens and, you know, the, the colors, especially in the first half, that make her feel like a threat or something's wrong, I think it's absolutely just beautiful. Um, and, 
But again, it's it's hard to exactly put a point on, I suppose, Todd Haynes' style when that's yeah. a man who's made, you know, he's uh, I'm not there. Right, yeah. <laughs> and a bunch yeah. of other things, though, too. But I do think it kind of fits in, again, with this type of, like, um, woman in crisis type of uh, old filmmaking style. And yeah. this is where Julianne Moore steps up to the plate. Oh, she's because fantastic. Because Carol's yeah. a really difficult character. Yeah. And it's a very expressive performance for somebody who's very vacant, who's really not there. That's an excellent way of putting it, yeah. And so you like end up feeling a lot of empathy and sympathy for her, but you also have the same type of frustration, I feel like, you know, some of the other type of characters are. I mean, the movie's very good in showing the male exasperation and it's all in your head between her doctor and her husband. It almost felt you like... You almost get Rosemary's Baby vibes, you yeah, know, Yeah, it. it felt like at the beginning she was kind of... They were gaslighting her a little bit. Absolutely. Um, but at the same time, it's like you can make the argument that, like... They're not really gaslighting her if there's the do- like there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with her like you know well, and this is where she finds her agency you know which brings us kind of like to the film break is that being like I'm taking control of my life yeah. I'm saying that it's a chemical you know allergy I'm saying that it's environmental illness um, but even by the end of the movie you're not sure if this is actually helping her or not because right. she ends up in the igloo and she's you know Completely repeating isolated. the daily affirmations and you know getting to the core of what um, ultimately her problem is maybe is you know her own kind of self-loathing and allergy to the life you know (laughs) the american 80s life that she had yeah i mean we've all been in like (laughs) a baby shower and we all just kind of feel like this is fucking stupid (laughs) (laughs) and she takes it to like the very next level of like actually having a physical reaction to it um I was, I've been, I remember being in a baby shower and wishing myself some kind of physical reaction so that I could get out of this situation. <laughs> when she just goes in the bathroom and stands and stares, I'm kind of like, girl, I've been there. And I've if I'm that. in a place where I just don't want to be at a party, yeah. I'll take my time in the bathroom. Just go in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Phoebe has just joined us. Oh, we've got sh- our third contributor for the evening. Yes. Well, actually, speaking of uh, gaslighting, uh, so Matt, like I said, is self isolating because he found out someone in his building was exposed. Uh, so he sent me a text of uh, some points to 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 bring up. And as he as he said, elements of gaslighting as nobody else experiences her her symptoms reminds me of Midsummer, Candyman, The Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. It's a very common trope in horror. Nobody believes the protagonist until it's too late. Yeah, which is very much a horror trope, and I think a little bit of science fiction though too. There's a little bit of kind of that. Oh, you know, um, I mean, the nightmare at twenty thousand feet or whatever it is, absolutely, or, like, or body snatchers, yeah. or there's that type yeah. of feeling of kind of like you know something's wrong, but nobody will believe you, even yeah. if they are trying to be sympathetic. And um, yeah, I think that and this performance from Julianne is kind of in that great hall of uh, you know women in peril. <laughs> oh, she's she's great, and she's great in this role. And you mentioned actually. Uh, She's there's a scene there's a couple scenes where she's crying, uh, and you had mentioned that uh, nobody quite cries. Nobody like, cries like Julian. Like Moore. Julian Moore, yeah, and you're <laughs> right. Um, I will say, and one of the earliest earliest sort of notes I had on the movie um, was in the, one of the earlier scenes was Xander Berkeley when they were having sex, and the thought was simply that like has has Julian Moore ever been in a sex scene where it looks like. She's enjoying, she's enjoying herself. herself. <laughs> There's nights. You're the first time that she uh, sleeps with Dirk. Well, right. That's the other scene. That that's the only of, time. But it's very. And this is how this movie opens. So yeah. we get we get clues very early on that she's being suffocated by things. Yeah. And that this is representational of everything else that yeah. 
and this life that she's gotten herself into that she honestly hates. Yeah. And Xander Berkeley as the husband, who I only really know him as uh, John Connor's foster dad in, in, in uh, Terminator, Terminator 2. 2. It's a pretty good death, by the way. You know? It is a great death. It's one of the all-time great movie I deaths. I know from 24. Back, I'm embarrassed that I watched way too many seasons of 24. I never watched 24, so I didn't know that. But to me, and I think he plays this role perfectly in both this and in Terminator 2, he's that like deadbeat dad. Mm-hmm. Who just is like, you? at no point do you ever get a sense that he gives a shit about Julianne Moore. No, I mean, and every most of his scenes, especially in the first half, are centered around the bedroom and him not getting sex or getting what he wants and yeah. things like that. And that you get the kind of sense by the end of the film is that, like, they're almost happy just to leave her there forever. Yeah. And, I mean, if, like, if the movie goes on a little bit longer, I'm sure that that's what would have been revealed. Yeah. Um, but also... In Terminator 2, you really get the sense that he doesn't give a fuck about John Connor. Yeah. He doesn't want anything to do with this kid. He's he's a good he's a good skis. He's a total skis, and I'm he's sure you know, honestly, I'm sure. Although he's I a great weirdly guy. got a thing, and I got a weird thing for him in this movie though, too. I'll that's save that for say something gay about it. Oh, that's And gross. you can judge me then. I'm I mean, you already admitted to me this week you like Back to the Future Three. Back to the Future Three is great. No, it's not. It's don't bad. don't try to rewrite history. It's we all bad. we all like it. It's bad. It's so bad. <laughs> Uh, we'll have to cover that at some point. Right. The Back of the Future movies. That'd be fun. That would be a fun one. Let's see what else Matt had to say before we move on to the movie. Um, so more notes from Matt. Uh, I was just reading these over. We kind of talked about some of this, like how she, she's just sort of hyper aware of encroaching crime and problems and sexism. And it's this like icky sort of just part of her life, which is so true for so many women. Well, for all is- women, probably, I'm sure. It was why I was glad that you turned on the subtitles for though too. Is that there's the first half of this movie is that the radio is consistently playing, or that there's consistently messages, and we're you know getting this type of like um, fear and and uh, you know just kind of unease on like religious fronts, on political yeah. fronts, on social economic fronts, right. all around this very privileged kind of like woman and this type of stress that I feel like is cracking her in that way too. Yeah, and you don't really even get to, I mean, we're talking about Xander Berkeley not caring about his wife, like you don't really get any sense that those women give a fuck about about Carol, really. Yeah, I mean, like, other than like, oh, I mean, she goes to my gym. I mean, and those like those scenes kind of gave me hives watching it though too. Is that yeah. like I just feel like it's just so well represented to just make you just feel um, you know kind of sick, you know, kind of like almost having an allergic reaction to this movie in its in its own way. Yeah, and it yeah. takes its patience that you know that I think is um, uh, really helps. Is that you kind of like have to come into this with a bit of patience and open mind, and by the end of it, you just kind of have been able to take it all in. Yeah, I'm glad that you had suggested. Uh, loading it, who's we could watch it together because it is one of those movies, it, and, and I don't say this negatively, but it is one of those movies that is very slow and it's not one that you're going to put on the background while you're vacuuming. Exactly. Or, or so to have you here, like to like to force me to watch it, mm-hmm. uh, put my phone down was very helpful. Um, yeah. Well, um, I think a little bit of trivia on this one that we were just looking up though too is that it was very cheap to make. Uh, yeah. It certainly looks more than a million dollars. 
Um, you know, he was a very independent filmmaker beforehand. Julianne Moore you had know, been in a lot of, you know, smaller parts. And like been TV in Altman and, and TV, yeah. you know, and, and shortcuts at this point. But it never had a lead role. Yeah. So it was kind of a gamble on a lot of their parts. And some other things... Well, that was that, the, uh, the interview that we were... There was an interview that we were watching on YouTube where she's basically... her The beginning of her career coincided with the beginning of independent film. Yeah. And Which is why she became the independent queen. Exactly. And she talks about it and she's like, I got very lucky that I was able to do like one for them, one for me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's kind of the career that I've just made for myself. And I was very lucky because she's like, I think a lot of people now are jealous of that. Because you can't really do that. Well, you can't play around in a lot of films anymore. I mean, or they didn't get this wide of release. Right. I mean, this is where, like, this movie was kind of an art house hit. Yeah. You know, and uh, made a good amount of money back. Got, you know, a lot of critical attention. Um, You know, I think Village Voice picked it as the best film of the 1990s. Oh, wow. So, you know, it's got a very strong critical reputation that, you know, sometimes when you see it the first time, though, too, because it kind of moves at its own pace and it's a bit slower. Mm -hmm. But I've always found it was one that stuck with me. And there's just, like, ones that it's very vivid and memorable, maybe because of all those kind of elements put together on it. But, you know, it was, um, I think it was an experiment that paid off for them. Yeah, and it's so and it's so complex that it rewards multiple viewings because there are different different interpretations to different scenes. And so it rewards watching and revisiting it. Like mm-hmm. if it if it if it takes up that space in your head and you want to watch it again, there's more to discover. And that's the sign of obviously a great filmmaker. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that it's one that kind of fits our national mood a little bit, so to speak, yeah. though, too. I have a feeling a lot of us might be wanting to move into uh, porcelain egg loop. Yeah, yeah. I definitely would right now. Yeah. Maybe not that particular <laughs> one. Right. Like, if I'm going to concoct a, a scenario, I'm mm-hmm. not going to... Well, you know, I'm, I'm again, I'm glad that you picked this one. It's, it's a queer film without being explicitly queer, and especially a, a transitional part in Todd Haynes' career when he started to tell much more kind of queer stories. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, you know, I do think that, you know, Carol is, is kind of a queer character in the way that, um, you know, Carol and... Uh, <laughs> from the other Carol. <laughs> right. Um, ultimately, I think that she's... Uh, a, a good stand-in for a queer character and all of these experiences of being kind of uh, ignored yeah. and having to find community and family even if it doesn't fit exactly right or in a weird way and, um, and a lot of people who ultimately were traumatized at the end kind of coming together um, focusing on you know how they can uh, better uh, better heal themselves um, well great pick and I think it uh, goes uh, pretty smoothly into our second film of the evening yeah Contagion the 2011 I think yeah, and you're always happy to talk about a Steven Soderbergh film, of course. Soderbergh so a... is one of my one of my favorite filmmakers. So uh, this is very much like his Traffic, in the sense that it's uh, sort of this interconnected worldwide story. But whereas Traffic, it's like drug dealers and crack. This is a pandemic. Mm-hmm. So you have character. It shows you characters who get the pandemic and don't make it. And it shows you doctors working on it from doctors working on it, like, on the ground. But then you have people like Lawrence Fishburne who are at the CDC. And it it shows a bunch of different aspects. And then there's even this doctor that gets kidnapped. And there's a reporter that's reporting on it who's Mm -hmm. who's one of my favorite actors in the movie but is my least favorite character in this movie is the (laughs) Jude Law, like, reporter character. Um, So it's very interconnected and it takes place, as I'm sure we all know, 
Because it is doing very well on iTunes right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're visiting this one an outbreak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I had already like completely outruled, or I had completely overruled outbreak. It's a pretty bad. damn goofy movie. Yeah. yeah. Although it does have one of <laughs> the cast members of Friends. It so. does. Yeah. Well, and um, Monkey Trouble. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's that's Contagion. Um, obviously, like I said, I picked it because of everything that's going on mm-hmm. right now. And I didn't want to just pair it with just something. Like, I didn't want to just do it just to do it, but Safe felt like such a great pairing for that once Matt suggested that. Yeah. Uh, but now here we are with Contagion. and I think a hard art film with one that is... And listen, I, I, I fully admit I kind of fought you know, a little bit on first on this one. Not just because I was just kind of like, oh, are we going to talk about you know everything in the headline? Are we going to take a break from some of this? But it's also like, I did not remember liking it when I saw it in the theater. And recently revisiting it... You know, it's still not exactly my cup of tea, mm-hmm. especially as much as I love Soderbergh and a lot of Soderbergh type of films. But I'm interested you brought up Traffic because that's what, another film of his I can't quite get into. Maybe because it's just kind of like, I look at Contagion, it's kind of a tonier version of a disaster movie, you know, kind of like oh, almost yeah. the 70s. And like, it's part of a tradition, but because it really wants to delve into like a star the, in a star study every character is a celebrity yeah. everyone star started yes. disaster and um, ultimately you know I feel like it's moved towards wanting to be super super realistic and it just kind of makes this very you know kind of cold to the touch even though that it's still got all of these disaster movie element things to it yeah we still have the rush on the grocery stores we still have the kidnapping of yeah. you know uh, is it Kate Winslet uh, no <laughs> Kate Winslet's the doctor Marianne Cotillard yeah, yeah. gets kidnapped by um so we still got not have like all of these genre elements in this movie it's just yeah. that it's very put across almost those like we want this to be like a clinical documentary almost of sorts well it's interesting because actually what the the article that got me thinking about this movie um i sent you the link to it and it was talking about how a lot of the writer was scott burns yeah he did a lot of research into um pandemics and where they might start and where they might lead and how they might spread and a lot of that is based in science and facts. oh yeah this was very but then it research. does have those very genre kind of tropey kind of moments mm-hmm. um for me i you're right they're com- they are completely stock characters but I, I don't mind. Because mm-hmm. for, for to me, it's well-made enough and it's engaging enough. And frankly, yeah, the actors are strong enough that I'm compelled and I mm-hmm. want to know what's going to happen. And it's suspenseful. And I get, and full spoilers, like, I get sad when Kate Winslet dies. Mm-hmm. Like, I forgot, like, I remember Gwyneth Paltrow died, but I forgot that she did. And then when she did, I was like, oh my god, they killed off Kate Winslet. Yeah. I was legitimately, I, like, I had actually forgotten that myself. Too. I was upset about it. Mm-hmm. Um Winslet. Yeah. Um, well, obviously the movie is entirely prescient. I yes, mean, like, yes, this is yes. where that research, uh, yes. unfortunately, is like proving itself to be true. Yeah. So I mean, kind of like if people are going to watch a movie, you know, like this one is the one to watch yeah. over yeah. something like Outbreak or and you know other type of maybe goofier movies. Yeah. Uh, on I mean, this. you could. I mean, you could stretch it and like. I mean, granted, and I did think about a lot of these in terms of pairings just in like what would you like what you know you could do like 28 days later mm-hmm. um the stand which is an yeah. i guess a theatrical release I kind of like it got almost feelings of world war z and world like war some z of the other would be another ones one like or in, any like really any, any uh, path is, after yeah that. uh the crazies yeah. would be another mm-hmm. good one 
Um, so there is no shortage of like you were, I mean, and I think yeah, like disaster movie. I think sums it up perfectly. Yeah, I, I guess I got that like seventies kind of like feeling to it, where it's yeah. just kind of like, all right, now where's Charles Nelson Riley? You know, this is gonna pop up. <laughs> but you know, as a it was John Hawks in this as a, as a snapshot of its time. I mean, like those were like some of the biggest stars. Yeah, and uh, you know, like Soderbergh's always got you know a good um, uh, good eye for actors. And yeah. to um, and know, I think he's established well enough at this point too that he can attract top tier talent. Right. Like Kate Winslet is will go to work for a week and mm-hmm. take a pay cut just to work with Steven Soderbergh, you know, or like whatever it is. Well, and I was like looking up some uh, info on it though too, and I'd forgotten at the time because I'd saw it in the theater. But this was a relatively big hit. Yeah, like this was a, this was kind of a box office hit. This was, I think, made it's for like forty million. Yeah. Made, it's one of his biggest hits. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's kind of like funny to me to kind of like something that's kind of feel bad and a little bit kind of like realistic and kind of this very global kind of eye approach to it. You know, um, you know, kind of was that big of a hit. But I suppose you throw enough movie stars. And I think it was because everybody, or it's for me and and the people that I. I don't know, new and associated with it was an open secret that this was the movie where Gwyneth Paltrow died. Well, I mean, I remember that was that, like, this so, was at the height of when everyone was hating Gwyneth Paltrow, though, too. Yeah. It seems to come in waves for our country. I, yeah. believe, I believe we're back on the hate wave again uh, yeah. uh, until she does another Marvel movie. Yeah. But I remember at the time, you know, just because of her overexposure and everything else, that this was big to be kind of like, ah, oh, you get to see her head cut off and she dies. Yeah. And you know what? I think the movie lays it on almost a little thick. I mean, this is like one of my weird problems with it is that like it's a weirdly reactionary movie or maybe just because it's what happened to it in parts was just kind of like, oh, is she being punished because she's like, having an affair you know and this feeling that like she's like the cause of all of it and everything else i'm just kind of like she does get like (laughs) she does get really demonized particularly by um the guy that kidnaps marianne cotillard yeah like the movie won't let it go the movie is just kind of like gwyneth paltrow is awful (laughs) (laughs) i didn't read that but you're not wrong right right. uh i suppose i'm just playing it up a bit yeah um i like gwyneth paltrow i'm on record as having said so oh i've always liked her um it does have like you like you said. There's a lot of actors, and it does have my favorite. I'm not a huge Matt Damon fan. Um, I think he's good. I think he's like it's fine doses. in most movies. Like he's fine, and then in some movies he's bad. Yeah, <laughs> um, I just feel like he's continually giving up bit by bit, a bit more. And this one, I know they're but going I for like, like him the, a lot in this movie. Well, I mean, obviously he's the everyman. I mean, like, yeah. this is like and this is our scene, character to see speaking, through the eyes. The scene when, speaking of Gwyneth Paltrow dying, the scene where the doctor tells him that his wife has passed away, he plays it so, like, I don't know. It's, if, if, if I was doing, like, my favorite scene in an actor's career, this would be my favorite scene in, like, Matt Damon's career. Because oh, okay. I like the way, like, he just, you're with him. And he is very much the everyman. And mm-hmm. you're like, because he's baffled and he's like, what happened to her? What happened to her? I was just talking to her. Like, mm-hmm. what happened? Because it's so sudden and out of the blue and it's so... And she's the first case, you know, she's patient zero, so it's... He's not prepared. And I just... That scene is so hard to watch and I think he, I just love the way he plays it. I think he plays it really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think movies like this obviously need the character to see, like the bigger picture through their eyes and yeah. especially as the you know society starts to break down closer towards the end and probably the scenes that hit us you know a little bit more closer you know and some of the panic that you yeah. feel like when you go into the grocery store yeah. and there's nothing you know there's whole aisles wiped out 
And I'll tell yeah. you, that happened this week, you know, after, you know, I think kind of like I've been uh, home from work since last Thursday and my local uh, grocery store harvest time, you know, is kind of like fine. But like a couple of days ago going in and kind of like got that like, oh, this is what the movie kind of feels like. This is that yeah. part of the movie. And this is where like sometimes some of the viral outbreak movies or other things I tend to, well, now that we're living through it, have dismissed in the past because I'm just kind of like, oh, you know, like life's not so much of a movie or like yeah. these things kind of get you scared in that type of way. So Contagion is one of those movies where I'm just kind of like, oh, it's very helpful and it's very real. Yeah. But it's also just kind of like, you know, like that's also scary in its own way that if yeah. we it's kind like, of like... Yeah, it's so realistic that you can you can see that happening very quickly, very easily. Mm-hmm. The the violence that is resorted to and uh, the rioting and things like that, which thankfully, as of this recording, has largely been avoided. <laughs> well, you know, I was while rewatching it. There's uh, you talk about the Jude Law character, and he is just the worst in this, and yeah. is obviously kind of a pile on, um, and seems you to can be tell by kind the of tooth, like, like that crooked tooth, right? But like, or that he's kind of playing this Alex Jones in this yeah. type of you know like amalgam of Infowars or other type of, like, bullshit, Breitbart, mm. you know, um, things. And I remember seeing it the first time when I wasn't, like, his subplot, I'm just like, this is just a waste. Or, like, yeah. you know, for that. But, I mean, some of this is prescient, though, too. Of, like, all the people trying to sell fucking COVID, you know, uh, cures and yeah. misinformation that's put out and conspiracy theories about China and everything else. I'm just kind of like, all right, movie. You know, like, you really saw a lot of things coming. Yeah. Yeah, and as much as I didn't see that coming and would like to have not seen that, but I... He's like I said. He's my favorite actor in the movie. Like looking at the cast, he's probably like. Oh, I love when Jude Law plays bad. I know, um, but I just hated him, and I hated him. And in part, it started with that tooth, and it just every word out of his mouth. I'm like, you're a fucking slime ball. Yeah, and I don't fucking like you. But I also think that's a tribute to to Jude Law because I like. I mean, like I like him as an actor, but mm-hmm. I also I, I never felt like. It oh. felt like it was him. It never felt oh, like, yeah. it I mean, like he was putting on. Like, I'm very much on the record that Jude Law is just one of those very beautiful people who should have been a character actor. Yeah. And he was always better when he was a character actor, and he's always been better when he's being played ba- when he's playing bad. Yeah. Like I always love him like Road Perdition and yeah. my uh, favorite and anything Jude else Law, where he's the biggest skis ball. My favorite Jude Law's performance is in a movie that I don't love, but it's my favorite performance of his, and it's AI. I think you and I have talked about Oh this. yeah, no. AI is one of my very favorites. And yeah. That's his yeah. best performance, in my opinion. Yeah, it's his best performance. But it's not one of my favorite movies. <laughs> well, we'll get around to it as the podcast one someday. day. One day. Someday. Well, next time, we'll pair it with West Side Story. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do it. You know, I'm going to see every Spielberg film. I know. Well, I'll see West Side Story. We'll I West went Side on Story. the podcast defending uh, Ready Player One. So <laughs> I know. I know. I know. It's okay. Um, That's why you were there. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, we need someone to support it. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, this this film, what, came out in 2011. Mm-hmm. Soderbergh was on a pretty... Uh, I mean, like, he was making, cranking out two movies a year. Yeah, it was right after The Informant, which was also... Yeah, which is by, one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. And... Actually, that would probably be a, a really, that's a really solid Matt Damon performance. Yeah, I think that that's his. Well, I mean, we're going to talk about talented Mr. Ripley and like. Okay, so there are some Matt Damon he's ones good. that we do like. Like he's good when he when he he's focuses. Yeah, yeah, he's a good actor. Focus, but yeah, um, I did not like him in Ford versus Ferrari because I felt like he shouldn't be doing that accent. No boy. <laughs> I know. But anyway, that's a that's. But a, anyway, yeah. See, he's he impressed me more the second time around. You know, like I said to you, I complain about the stock character approach, but like, what else are you going to do when you're telling? 
long right. story this big. And I you're suppose. telling that many stories, right? And yeah. then you've got Kate Winslet, you've got yeah. Marie uh, Cotillard, you've got you know familiar faces. Yeah. Other ones, you know, you get off a little bit less lucky. Lawrence yeah. Fishburne is just kind of Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, and yeah. This, is there and how much stuff like, you get to do? It's almost like a like a love actually, where it's like. It's just so there are so many characters that they can't all get satisfying stories. Right, it um, is. It's kind of like an anthology movie all about the same thing in yeah. its own well, which, which way. Traffic was in a lot of ways right. too, I think. Right. Um, and so, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. This is mm-hmm. very much in like the Soderbergh's wheelhouse. Yeah, you know, and I might be you know kind of ragging on some other type of things, but I do, and especially the second time around, think that it's a very sickly beautiful movie. Like yeah. it is shot. In kind of oh, like yeah. antiseptic and yeah. kind of like hospitals and almost a zombie type of flair to a lot of the scenes. Yeah, I that, thought a lot so, of that, I, that was when I was watching. That was more effective for me the second time around. Yeah. Do you think that that any of that had anything to do with watching it in the environment that you were watching it? Well, I knew that was also probably I just didn't necessarily want to revisit it. Well, right. You know, and um, that's very fair at this point. But and, but when I was rereading back up a bit and being kind of like, oh, this was extraordinarily well researched, and you know, this is kind of like almost, um, I don't know, this is kind of like watching. Um, an exercise, yeah, on its own kind yeah. of way, yeah, which is what I suppose makes it more frightening now, right? And it was reassuring when you had Obama in office because you were like, "But we've got these people, yeah. like they're really going to be able to take care of this." Because you, he's a smart man. Well, and the now, CDC was still at least in place, so exactly. Uh, now we do not have a smart man in charge. In fact, I mean, not to go on, you know, rant. I'll keep myself brief, but I mean, like, if there's anything this global pandemic is starting to show, is is that strong men. All across, and populist candidates are handling this the fucking worst. Yeah. Between Trump and Boris Johnson, and you know uh, Italy. I mean, like this is just showing the breakdown of what toxic masculinity and that type of like mentality of like not that taking Xander, any responsibility whatsoever. It's like that Xander Berkeley. Yeah, like, I think. What is wrong with you mm-hmm. that you're making me go through this? Like, right. Why are you putting me through this? Well, you know, you kind of bring that up. It's kind of interesting, you know, uh, that type of like, oh, how, you know, somebody's kind of showing their privilege in response to, you know, somebody being sick or other people in crisis. And, you know, yeah. we're kind of seeing that a little bit right now, too. Did you see that video that went out of all these celebrities? Some of whom I love. Oh, Gal Gadot. You should probably just, uh, I don't know. You should have stayed home. <laughs> I know. Well, she did stay home. Well, that's right. Um, <laughs> you should probably have just... Uh, that's, that was the thing. It was just sort idea. of like, you know, celebrities in their stylish homes. Well, it's, I mean, it's easy for people to be tone deaf right now, I feel yeah. like. You know? Yeah. I feel like people want... To be there and to help, but it's also just being kind of like, you know, a lot of people have just lost their jobs. Yeah. You know, we're not sure what the future looks like. Yeah, our podcast host, you know. So <laughs> whether or not they're going to send us a $1,000 check or not is remains to be seen. But I mean, like, times are scary. And so, you know, probably the best time to revisit this movie. Yeah. I, you did make me say I have to admit it on the podcast, but <laughs> you are right. You were right. You have to say my name. You have to uh, say Brian. <laughs> you were right. Thank you. <laughs> it doesn't count if you don't say my name because I can hear that yeah. anyway. You can just cut that out of anything, right? Exactly. It has to have my name. In. Mm-hmm. Um, do we uh, we have a say something gay about either of these films? I already kind of think I said my say something gay about it was safe. I've got my weird thing for Xander. I don't know. There's something about that's really weird, I've, especially I've, considering I pick a lot of bad guys. I considering <laughs> one of the movies we're covering has. 
Jude Law. Yeah. But also, like, and I'm not... My, I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, well, I was going to just name more actors that were yeah. more handsome than Sandra Berkeley. Oh, sure, Matt but, Damon, Lawrence Fishburne. All of them. I know, I know. Uh, Brian this Cranston. Is, this is the thing. But I already said it. I already got it out of the way. So I'm going to say something gay about it is Julianne Moore's perm. And safe when she first turns around, even though she gets the nosebleed, I'm kind of like, that's worth it. That's yeah. gorgeous hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, say something gay about it for contagion? It's mm. a good question. <laughs> I mean, Jude Law is yeah, yeah, yeah. in the movie. I mean, it's obviously a movie that begins with sex, but it's not a, obviously becomes a very not sexy movie <laughs> in any way Which whatsoever. Uh, contagion. Well, well, both movies do start with sex. I mean, that's kind of an interesting. No, well, kind of no, parallel. because she kind of she's just had sex. Right, right, right. It doesn't have it. Actually, that was another thing. I'm glad you mentioned that. I wanted to bring that up because I love the way it's like. One of the things I love about the movie um, Contagion is how you hear her cough before you see her. Like mm-hmm. it's still the movie has still kind of like. So it's like you're already like hyper aware. Oh, it's already set its sense of unease, almost like safe. Though, it, too, exactly. From the very yeah. beginning, and it like sets you up from the beginning, and it starts with day two, and then at the very end, it like bookends, and it like cuts to this like forest being cut down, and you're like, what the what's what's happening? And then the 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 bird flies away, and the or the, is it the, the bird or the bat is the bat. The bat yes. flies away mm-hmm. and shits on Go something, the and, pig, yeah. and then it like just the way it ends with day one, mm-hmm. and like. You know, he was cleaning out the fish's mouth, and all he had to do was wash his hands. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I will admit the ending is very stark. I think it's very arty. I think it's very smart. It's very Soderbergh. Yeah, it is very. I mean, like that was the most Soderbergh, and the one that I really do like, the one that can push it a bit more and his hard cuts yeah. and things. And I, I do, and I like, yeah. And it's obviously got that message though too. It's yeah. just please I think keep that that to hands. me is like the signature. Mm-hmm. Like right, that's the Soderbergh moment. Yeah, that and like you like you had mentioned too, the way it was shot and how it was very. He's he's almost when it's matter of fact like that. Yeah, so he he's really good about like filters and things. Mm -hmm. Like the colors in his movies are always just like traffic. Like traffic is one really reminded me of traffic. Um, um, because yeah. it like almost different scenes and different stories have their own color their own, yeah, exactly. that were picked, exactly. you know, at least yeah. were lit differently. So you have, I don't know, your brain is able to be kind of like, I'm in this story now. Right. Um, right visually right. kind of aided along with it though. Too. That's another thing that he's very, very good at doing that he did a lot in, um, out of sight. Right. Where like the flashbacks were lit differently depending and on And honestly, as a, as a film fan, I'm very, uh, Appreciative when directors do that. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. It's for an ease of kind of like, what time on am I? Greta Gerwig did it beautifully in Little Women. Yeah, uh, yeah recently though too. So it'd be kind of like you know we're, we're brighter, we're in the past, we're in this. Yeah, um, I really loved that movie. Oh, a lot. it was really, really, it was wonderful, beautiful. Um, yeah, you got anything else to say gay about it? Uh, say something gay about it is like I said, um, Jude Law. It's true, you know, even with his even when his crooked tooth, I'm yeah. like, you could fucking get it, because like, <laughs> um, he's Jude Law. Yeah, um, and you were watching the new Pope. I was just finishing up with the new Pope. Uh, okay. if, uh, I love uh, both of those series, and I I've kind of like consider them. them almost kind of separately. But um, Paulo, oh, I'm gonna fuck up his last name, but he did the Great Beyond, mm-hmm. uh, great Italian director. It is just gorgeous, weird, funny art. Um, and I recommend it to everybody because I'm also the world's biggest Jude Law fan. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, we can't both be the world's biggest. Well, Jude we're gonna have to fight to the death then. Yeah, you can have it. It's okay, fine. he's married. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> He'll only cheat on you. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's fine. If he was, 
he could I would I would give him a pass. It's like you're fine. Uh, yeah, I might say something gay. Like I said, Jude Law. Um, it's a very good looking man. Even I mean, it's a pretty solid. It's a good looking cast. Like like I said, Matt. It is true. Monsters you know, Prime. like there's not characters, but I mean, like it is grade A movie stars, especially yeah. of like 2011. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, can we find you on social media? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at MaxRBever uh, and Instagram at JustMaxBever. <laughs> Perfect. I am so Brian Rowe at uh, both Instagram and Twitter. That's Brian with an I, R-O-W-E. The podcast is Piece of Pie Pod across all of your social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, take care of yourselves out there. Stay safe. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Practice social distancing. If you are ordering delivery, tip your drivers. And tip and them well. Tip them well. And I don't know um, what, with that in mind, I don't know when we will next record an episode. It is true. I was um, able to join today just because I was making my grocery run, and we want to be socially responsible. Yes. So, um, other than that, maybe we'll record one over Skype together, oh, Brian, in the future. Yeah. Well, I, I should. I went. I my car was in the shop, and I went to go pick it up, and I went to the grocery store, and then I took a shower before you got here because mm-hmm. I wanted to be socially. I wanted to do the best that I could because I also knew that you know he's coming over. And oh yeah, uh, but we've been sitting very far apart from each other. Oh, we have, <laughs> and I walked here, so <laughs> he did. Um, so once again, like I said, everybody out there listening, stay safe. And uh, wash your hands, all that good stuff. There's some great movies on Netflix. Yeah. Um, or Criterion. Or the Criterion channel. If someone wants to share their password with me through the foreseeable <laughs> future, you can uh, direct message me. I'd greatly appreciate it. Yeah, he did just give you his uh, uh, social media. Yeah. And mind you, so did I. Yes. I'm just saying. Um, anyway, I'm rambling. Uh, stay safe out there. Be good. Watch some movies, read some books, and be kind to each other. We'll see you soon, hopefully.